morning. Greetings in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Good to see all of you. Good to be back here again and uh, worship the Lord together. Appreciate it. Uh, Things that we've heard so far, and this morning it looks like you're giving me plenty of time. So, amen. Let's, uh, maybe we could just bow our heads and spend a few moments in prayer. Father, we are grateful this morning as we are gathered here in the name of Jesus and desiring it once again, Father, to allow our hearts and spirits to be refreshed in your presence. Father, to allow your word to be quickened in our hearts. Even like the scripture says, line upon line and precept upon precept, we do desire, Father, that uh, we would be open to be instructed and to be taught. And we ask, Father, that your spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we're here as very um, limited in our abilities, but looking to you, Father, looking to your spirit, looking to your word looking to your faithfulness, just like you, when you blessed a couple of loaves and a couple of fishes, it ministered and fed a multitude, and we have that confidence here this morning also that as we endeavor to look at uh, truth, that your spirit will bless it to the hearers, and that uh, it will be profitable. Father, we recognize that uh, we are in a world, an ever-changing world, and yet we also recognize that you're an unchanging God. And we are grateful for that, but we desire, Father, that you would teach us how to live in this present world, in the present circumstances of this world, to live and to order our lives in a manner that is honoring and pleasing to you. So, Father, again, we commit our time to you here. Be with us, bless us, pour out your Spirit upon us. Add to our thoughts those things that uh, we've not thought of yet or considered, and, Lord, take away that which is of ourselves, and uh, bless your people, meet their needs. Father, we ask in the precious name of Jesus, with thanksgiving. Amen. If you were here last week, I uh, shared a message out of uh, comparing a bit, or yeah, I guess comparing is a word, comparing a bit the, uh, the result of Noah's home. And the result of Lot's home, realizing that they uh, both uh, were uh, 
living in somewhat similar situations in that they were living in a world that was, uh, whose judgment was sure. And uh, we have the example of Noah who was able to bring his family through that and uh, save them. And we have the example of Lot who, for the most part, failed to bring his family through that. <clears throat> it does, uh, we, we, we discussed various uh, issues relating to that. Uh, for one thing we discussed was Noah's faith. Noah was a man who was personal with God. Noah was a man who knew his God. Noah was a man who feared God, who listened to God, who who uh, wasn't depending on anyone else as such, but uh, he related to God and he walked with God. And the scripture tells us that when God spoke, he was moved with fear, built an ark to the saving of his house. We have... Uh, we have Lot who seemed to be riding on the coattail of Abram, Abram's faith. Abram was also a man who knew God, related to God, heard God's voice, heard God's direction. And Lot seemed to be along for the ride. And when he went out on his own, out from under Abram's basic oversight, we find him making decisions not based on truth, not based on God, but based on what he saw, what looked good to him, what seemed convenient at the moment, what seemed to be best fitting for his comforts and enjoyment, made his decisions based on those principles, and in the process lost his entire family to, the, to Sodom. And uh, sad story. Saved his own soul, I believe. Scripture speaks uh, of Lot being righteous and vexing his soul. And uh, he had enough of understanding. Uh, you know, living with Abraham, he couldn't help but know something about God. And he knew enough about God to know that what was happening in Sodom was not pleasing to God. And he vexed his soul about it. But he wasn't close enough and personally enough with God to do something about it, to save his own family and to get himself out of that wicked place and uh, find himself a place where his, uh, he can uh, maybe get back in the influence of, no, uh, of Abram and his, uh, his, uh, his uh, godly uh, influence. So the... Uh, the tale of those two homes is quite different and uh, rather unfortunate for uh, for Lot. You know, we we uh, I don't know how much Lot could look back. I don't know how much Lot could look at the example of others and and draw wisdom from that. We today we have all sorts of opportunities to draw wisdom from from other sources. Uh, you know, we have. Uh, a whole book written on the history of humanity and the ins and outs of it. Uh, we have other uh, examples in life that we can draw wisdom from. 
I don't know how much Lot had that opportunity and how much he could compare uh, with where he was going with his family and where, what the outcome was going to be, but uh, we're not left today without um, instruction. Uh, we have, if we open our hearts to God, we have many, many opportunities to evaluate even a situation like Lot and Noah and draw from its uh, wisdom and understanding and it can make a difference in our own homes, in our own lives, in our own uh, experiences. <clears throat> so today we're going to continue on a bit on that subject. We will probably not necessarily refer to Noah and Lot much today. Uh, we have a very limited uh, scriptural uh, input relating you know, to their situations. And uh, it would be uh, fairly difficult to just zero in on them and get all the uh, various principles that surround home life just by looking at their uh, situations. But we do see the end results and then we can go and start digging for truth in the Word of God and uh, find some direction, find some answers. <clears throat> so, like to talk today, like to follow... Uh, today, today, with some uh, more practical, down to daily living thoughts, and some biblical principles that relate to home life. <clears throat> so, I guess today I don't uh, particularly know what to title the message, but I did uh, think I might title it this: "What will be the tale of your home?" You know, a tale is a story that is told in the end. Uh, there will be a tale, you know, there will be a story in the end when, uh, I don't know where it was, it just comes to mind right now. My wife met someone some years ago somewhere, a couple years back, and I don't recall at all the location or who it was. And how she got all the information, but it was a large family, a Mennonite family of some sort, and uh, the entire family, as I recall, were all walking in the faith of their grandfather and their and their parents and their grandparents. Uh, a very godly family. I do not remember. Uh, I just remember some some connection, and she commented on it. Uh, I, I don't recall the situation. But anyway, um, I have a feeling that uh, all of us would like to see that. You know, it's like uh, a brother, I remember a brother saying he would at times challenge his children with this thought, when you are lying on your deathbed and your children and grandchildren gather around your bed, what do you want to see? And he would challenge his youth with that, that the decisions they make today are going to affect what's, you know, what's, who and, and, and what's going to be gathered around his, your deathbed. And uh, young as you may seem and feel you are, the Lord tarries, that'll come sooner than you wish. And... Uh, yeah, I think our minds can all go to 
to uh, various families in our own families and families we know. And if we picture the family gathered around Dad's deathbed, some of them are quite a uh, distressing sight indeed. Um, and others are walking in the fear of God and in holiness. And uh, may we, uh, may we somehow. Allow God to speak into our lives when we're young, and knowing that uh, it is a life of uh, it is a life of choices and perspectives and all sorts of things that go into making that end. All sorts of ingredients that go into it. First subject I'd like to give a little attention to today is simply the subject of a pleasant, pleasant home atmosphere. And we could, uh, as we think about a home, and we think about a uh, home that is effective, I would like to encourage us to consider a pleasant home atmosphere. Now, you may already have that, and uh, I uh, hope you do, and God bless you if you do. But I do want to reinforce the fact that it is of utmost importance. And we could ask, uh, you know, what makes a pleasant home atmosphere? And I guess the simple version of a pleasant home at what makes a pleasant home atmosphere is simply pleasant people. Uh, you actually make your home atmosphere. And uh, if you are a pleasant person in general, or you order your life that way, uh, I, uh, I say that because we, we do have choices on how we conduct ourselves. And, and uh, so who we are naturally doesn't necessarily mean who we have to be. <clears throat> the, uh, the Colossian writer or Paul, when he writes to Colossae, he says these words in the context is not the home, but it's worthy to consider. In Colossians 3, verse 23, he says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And he's actually talking to servants when he makes that comment. And Paul gives similar words to... uh, the church at Ephesus, when he writes to them, and you can turn to this if you wish, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. And again, the context is servants being obedient to their masters. In verse 6 he says, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Now, the context is a servant, uh, uh, basically it's a slavery con- uh, context where there was servants and masters and the, ma- and the servants were given that exhortation. Whatever you do, whatever is put in front of you, whatever responsibilities you are given, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Do it with cheerfulness. Do it with your whole heart. Do it with joy, rather than the opposite would be begrudgingly. Uh, Because you have to. With a frown on your face. Soaking the whole time you're doing it. 
making the guy that's working beside you miserable. All sorts of things like that would be the opposite. If a servant, and I think, I'm not sure if, um, you know, if we would put ourselves, if we would start rating situations that uh, we would want to be find ourselves in. I suspect none of us would put uh, being a slave at the top of the list of uh, places that we would like to find ourselves in. But, in that particular uh, uh, situation, uh, the exhortation was given to whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. If that is the case for such a situation, how much more for your home, for what you do, where you have a choice in your work occupation, where you have a choice what your life consists of. A servant doesn't. He has to do whatever his boss tells him to do. He has to, uh, 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 I mean, some of those had a hard life. And that's in the context which the exhortation was given. If we, who live in a free enterprise, we can choose our work for the most part. We can, uh, uh, we can, you know, we can make life comfortable. And I'm not advocating we should be pursuing that. But we can. It's, those options are there. Why should we be, uh, why should we be begrudgingly doing what we're doing? Why should we be going through life with our, uh, dragging our nose in the ground? Why should we be going through life, uh, complaining and, and, uh, just, uh, just, uh, I don't know, sour. Why should we? If we have all those opportunities, and we would probably choose our situation, our free enterprise, our, you know, good America, we would choose that over being a slave stuck in who knows what situations, what conditions, doing what kind of work. We would much sooner choose our own. Why shouldn't we do whatsoever we do, whatever is in front of us, in our situation today, why shouldn't we do it heartily? Why shouldn't we do it with cheerfulness? Why shouldn't we be able to live life with a joyful countenance? Why shouldn't we be able to get dirty and praise the Lord while we're getting dirty? Because we know we got a hot shower waiting when we get home. I wonder how many servants had that opportunity. A hot shower after they were done uh, treading out all that wheat and grain and whatever else they were doing. You know, the uh, a cheerful, a pleasant home atmosphere. Proverb writer tells us that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit dryeth up the bones. There, there again, we have the, the context or the idea of a cheerful heart. It's like medicine. It, it, uh, it um, not only does it encourage you, but it encourages everyone around you. A cheerful heart does. But a broken spirit, it, it dries up the bones. It, uh, uh, 
I suppose we've all probably been in situations where uh, someone complained a lot. Just, you know, never had anything good to say. We probably, somewhere along the way, some, met someone that was of that sort of caliber. And it drains you. It, you just don't really feel like being around real long, do you? you, you you're kind of glad when you can get, go find somebody that's cheerful and be encouraged again. Uh, and we just say all of that to say a pleasant home atmosphere. Um, you know, there's going to be times in our lives where we're going to be sober. There's going to be situations that are weighty in our hearts, in our lives, in our situations. There's going to be times when there's going to be sadness. There's going to be times when there's going to be uh, heaviness. Like, uh, how does the scriptures say, though ye for a season you are in heaviness through manifold temptation. You know, life throws things our way that sometimes, you know, are heaviness. But, we're not talking about uh, you know, that's reality. Put it that way. That's reality. But we don't want to live there all the time. If we're a believer, if we have Christ in our lives and we have a place to cast our burdens and we have uh, one to trust in, we can, uh, we can uh, leave those burdens with Him and uh, be refreshed in our spirits and have a general pleasant atmosphere about us, which will give a general pleasant atmosphere in our home. <clears throat> a pleasant home atmosphere is a place where everyone loves to come back to when they're gone. Right? A pleasant home atmosphere. It's where everyone loves to come back to when they're gone. You know, even as siblings, as children in a home, you can play a big part in a pleasant home atmosphere. It doesn't all depend on your parents. When it comes to our home, what are the firsts? What should be the firsts? In other words, what is really most important? That's what this scripture bears out. Uh, it's, it, it, this scripture bears out the fact of what really is most important. What really should uh, your focus be upon? What really should your uh, heart be focused upon? What really should be first <clears throat> when it comes to our home? You know, some years back, in the uh, earlier days of uh, the charity movement, there was a strong emphasis on homeschooling and home business. I don't know if that was uh, considered first or not, but it was probably getting somewhere close to that. As it is in uh, in any uh, yeah I'm going to say most any uh, day to day responsibilities in life, one shoe doesn't fit all. You know what works for one. Uh, there's not a there's not a package that fits everyone. 
And uh, not everyone is going to effectively have a home business. Not everyone is going to effectively homeschool. And that was learned over the years. Uh, would I discourage either one? No. Would I encourage either one? Yes, if you have opportunity. And if you see your uh, uh, abilities, uh, matching opportunities and, and all those kind of things, and you feel a burden of the Lord and this way or that way and feel God directing you, would I encourage it? Absolutely. I would encourage it. Either one. But is that is that what everyone should do? No. Um, that's not a first. It's not a first. <clears throat> if the stress of a home school homeschooling or the stress of a home business destroys the peaceful home atmosphere, then I think you should reconsider. You should look at something. If you're so stressed out trying to get done what you're doing, then I think you should look at it and reconsider what really should be first. And that's just one, or that's just a couple of small uh, uh, things. But, you know, what really counts, what really does matter, uh, you know, we could sum it up in a, in, 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 uh, we could kind of sum it up in the word relationship, but we need, we need to see more than that. Uh, because relationship involves many details. What really counts, if we were to sum it up in one word, it would probably be time. What really is going to be a first? It would probably be time. Time. Time to hold your little ones. Time to read books to them. Time to push them on the swing starts when they are very, very small. Time. Time to train. Time to discipline. Time to love. Time for a bike ride. Time for a hike together. Time. All sorts of things that take time. But again, seek first those things which uh, are important. You know, time for a special family evening cookout complete with roasting marshmallows because one of your children is excited to do it. Time for a breakfast out with one of your children. Or time for a drop uh, to drop by a coffee shop and drink a cup of coffee together. Time to express appreciation for a job well done. Time for a little family vacation just to enjoy the beauty of God's creation and to enjoy each other's company. You know, in our uh, 
in our busy schedules, our demanding schedule, maybe I should say, our demanding schedules can become our greatest enemy. In uh, being effective, in uh, nurturing our children. It is important that we know what really counts. You know, in the end of life, your children will spend eternity somewhere. Your truck is going to be a pile of rust. Your home, your farm, your business, whatever it is, is someday going to melt down with all the rest of the great meltdown. But your children will spend eternity somewhere. And we have just one opportunity to influence their lives. One short space of time that they're in our care. Time. What really counts? Setting that priority in our own hearts. Evaluating and understanding and studying what really matters. Seek ye first. There are things that must be first in our lives. God has given us probably, uh, there are, there are, there are a number of firsts, but God has given us a book to study and to consider and to understand what really needs to be first. And I want to encourage us to think about that. What really does need to be first? What really does matter? What really is important? And what really will make a difference in eternity? We'll probably say more about that as we go. It kind of ties together here. I'd like to, the next point I'd like to consider is simply this. Dads, be what God intended you to be. Be what God intended you to be. Ephesians 6 verse 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That scripture tells us that God intends that fathers are very actively involved in the training, the teaching, and the nurturing of their children. That's a big job. It's a big assignment. But it is one that God has given us. As a father, we are called to lead our families. We are given the responsibility for our home. We are given the responsibility to guide our families with purpose. To not just let it float along. To not just let happen what happens. But to guide it. With purpose. To oversee it. Our homes. Making family needs a priority that overshadows most of other priorities. And I say most because, you know, as a... uh, 
our first of all, our personal relationship with God is most important. Our relationship with our wife is second important, and our relationship with our children is third important. <clears throat> and if those, if the first two are in place, it no way detracts from the other, from the children. Make family needs a priority that overshadows. Our weaknesses as human beings is to give time and attention to those things that come easily and naturally to us as a person. It's just, it's natural to us. We all do it. It's those things that we excel in. Those things that come easy. It's, it's those things that are our cup of tea. You know, those are the things we give ourselves to. But... We have to evaluate and consider firsts in our lives. If those things that come easy for us are outside of the home, at work, or even in ministries, you know, ministering to other people, good things, it can be good things, but it comes so easy for us, so natural, and we love it. And there's such fulfillment there. And we just go there. And we go there again. And we go there again. And we go do it again. And we go again. And all the while, there's a family that's growing up. And they're hurting. And they're suffering. And they're being neglected. Because we're getting our thrill out of that which goes easy for us. That which is comfortable for us. That which we just excel in. And we're good at it. And... Uh, the least resistance is there. It's our, it's our human weakness, our human tendencies to go where things go the easiest and the best and the simplest and we find the most fulfillment. But I want to encourage us as dads, think about it. We, uh, we only have one opportunity with each of our children to influence them for God. And I say one meaning it's one big opportunity. And you put the years on it. Is it 15 years? Is it 20 years? But largely, uh, the needs obviously change, but those years from birth to five are every bit as critical and as important as from five to ten or ten to 15 or 15 to 20. Uh, so think about it. Be what God intended you to be. Yes, we do need to earn bread and butter. Yes, we do need to, you know, and it'll take us out of the home to do that at times. And that's all part of life. My wife's testimony is her father was a truck driver and not a, not, you know, and a long distance one at that. And not a, not something to, you know, be desired as such for a family man. But that aside, her testimony was that, is that when my daddy was home, I had a daddy. He was involved. He was, uh, he was, uh, he had a, yeah, he had a relationship with his children. <clears throat> but I don't give that as a, uh, uh, a crutch to, uh, well, I can be gone all week long and I can just be a daddy on the weekends. I wouldn't bank on that. 
I wouldn't bank on that. <clears throat> but be a daddy. Be a daddy who takes time. Be a daddy who is willing to uh, sacrifice. Be a daddy who's willing to, to uh, 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 if you had to, if you had to drive an old beater of a vehicle so you could be a daddy to your children and drive an old beater of a vehicle. If you got to work hard and long hours and away from home so you can get that new vehicle at the neglect and expense of your children, woe be unto you. Woe be unto you. In other words, think through it. Think through your priorities. Be a daddy at whatever the cost. Study to make the most of your opportunity that you have with your children. Next point I'd like to consider for a bit is mothers, be what God intended you to be. Probably figured that was coming. Titus gives us a little bit of instruction. The book of Titus chapter 2. I think I'll just read a few verses here. The aged women likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. Teachers of good things that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that a word of God be not blasphemed. Wow. Do you ever stop and think what that all says? And at the bottom of it, it says that the word of God be not blasphemed. The testimony of God is hanging right here. Think about that. Now, we're not going to take time to take that all apart. But, We'll think about a few things. One of the phrases that comes up is to be a keeper at home. Uh, verse 4 there talks about being uh, to love their husbands, to love their children. Gives us the uh, context of home, home life. <clears throat> being a keeper at home. Like we said, dad needs to bring home the bacon. You know, Somebody's got to put food on the table. Sometimes it takes them away from home. Or the day, or days, or whatever. Hopefully not days, hopefully they're home every night. But we understand that dad isn't always home. Dad's not the one who, quote, makes up the core of the home life. He oversees it, he guides it, gives direction to it, he inspires it, all those kind of things. But you're the one who, uh, who uh, you're the nuts and bolts of the whole thing. I shouldn't use that kind of an illustration for ladies, should I? <laughs> you know, several things to consider. First of all, uh, you know, he is, be what God intended you to be. He is the leader of your home. You are a vital part of it, but he is the leader. He is the one who is responsible to lead. He's the one who's responsible to guide. He's the one who's got to make the final decisions on various issues relating to your home. I'd like to encourage you to make that easy for him. Make it easy for him. He tries to give direction. Do your best to understand what he's trying to say and what he really wants. And do it cheerfully. 
Not begrudgingly. Do I have to? Follow His leadership as He endeavors to guide your home in the fear of God. And of course, as this says, being a keeper at home, have your heart turned toward home. You know, make your home one of your highest priorities. You know, there's, uh, we live in a time where uh, we have to choose to do that, actually. You have to choose. And if it's in your heart, you don't have to choose. But I'm saying you live in a time when there's opportunity. You know, you don't have to go back so far to where uh, going away would have meant going out to the barn into the stable and getting the horse and hitching him up to a carriage and, and, uh, and guiding that beast down the road. I'm going to suggest that ladies didn't go away near as much back then as they do now. What am I saying? You have opportunities. You have opportunities to turn your heart away from home. And lots of them. They did back then too. All issues are hard issues. But nonetheless, the more convenient these things are, the quicker we can get caught in them. The quicker they can, uh, we can follow them without thinking. You know, I don't know how far back you have to go till, the, uh, till you wouldn't have had these huge shopping malls where you can spend a whole day walking around in them. Uh, first half getting lost and the first, second half finding yourself again, you know. Uh, think about it. You have opportunities uh, that didn't face your great-great-great-grandmother. <clears throat> and even you have opportunities that didn't face your mother when she was raising her children. That is, uh, you can be home and not home. Because you're on the computer. Home, but not home. That happens in our world today. I hope and trust it doesn't happen in your life. But our world has made so many things convenient and we have to guard our hearts. Or we can be home and not home. We can be... And it happens. It's unfortunate, but it happens. Uh, Ladies are spending their time on the computer and the children are just who knows what. It happens in our world. Be what God intended you to be. Turn your heart toward home. What does that mean? It's going to mean different things for different people. For some, it's probably going to mean homeschooling your children. Others, it probably won't mean that. It's going to be honest with it. For some, I trust it will mean that. For others, it probably won't. One shoe doesn't fit all. And yet, uh, I encourage you, I encourage you uh, to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. And when I say that, I'm simply saying, you know, we can look at things and uh, we can say, "Ah, that's too big, I'll never do that. Uh, I don't want to be tied down like that. Homeschooling children, that's, uh, that's, that just tie me up way too much. Well, now wait a minute. Stop and think. Where's your heart turned toward? Is your heart turned toward home? 
That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to homeschool your children, but it might mean that. Now, understand, you know, understand me. I'm not uh, not trying to say that a heart turned toward home would be a homeschooling heart. No, not saying that. But it might mean that. God might put that on your heart. Are you willing to hear him if he does? And like I said, one shoe doesn't fit all. And I want to be clear in that. But at the same time, don't just throw it out. Don't just throw it out. Uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, uh, <clears throat> there's a phenomena that takes place in human experience. And that is, in our, in our realm of experience, we, and many of us fathers over here, we went, to a, uh, we went to various types of schools. Some maybe we went to a public school, some to parochial schools, all those kind of things. And we, we know we have our context of experience, and we can tend to look at that context, and uh, we can, there's always positive in it, but we also see the, the negative aspects of it, and then we begin to search for answers um, for, for, to find solutions to some of those negative aspects. And that is a, is a good deal of what happens in the homeschooling movement, is that there were lots of people looking for answers to a great deal of negative aspects in their schooling experience, whether it was a public school, uh, even some private schools, uh, parochial schools, and all those kind of things. We now have another phenomenon taking place where we have a, uh, a generation that has been homeschooled, and that was not perfect. And that had its weaknesses. And, uh, and we have a generation that's actually looking at their phenomena, and they're seeing the weaknesses in the homeschooling situation, and they're looking for answers. And they're starting to go back to the to the uh, school setting as thinking that's their answer. And it might be. It might be. But I'm just describing the phenomena of human experience. And that same phenomena goes on in church life. Why do, why do, why do revivals spring up? It's because of that very phenomena that takes place. People get, they look into their situations, they, they realize it's really not what, they, they feel like it's not what God intended for the church and they start searching for answers. And, you know, in time, a few of those people find each other and, and, uh, and something gets started. Something gets going. And uh, as it is, as it often is with those kind of things, uh, they get started with a lot of fire, a lot of zeal, and they lack a bit of direction and wisdom. And eventually... Uh, things move along and eventually there's people that are part of that phenomenon that say, now wait a minute, they're now part of this phenomenon, they're seeing the weaknesses of that and they're starting to look for answers again. And that's exactly what happened in the charity movement. There's an element of people that have looked at this phenomenon and said, wait a minute, there's, there's a problem. There's some things going on here we're not excited about. We need answers. And uh, believe it or not, they actually go back to the stable churches where came out a while ago and start to find some of those missing links, some of those answers to. Um, so, why did I say all of that? Well, it's just, it's, it's kind of a, it's human, human experience. Uh, where were we? I wasn't uh, planning to put all that in there, but it's okay. Yeah, we were talking about mothers being what God intended you to be. And so, yeah, just take that for what it's worth. 
that phenomena is taking place right here in our own setting. Um, and I'm not here to uh, tell anyone what you need to do. I just say keep your heart open to God. And don't, don't, uh, um, don't criticize one or the other strongly because there's reasons that uh, some of those uh, things take place. There's reasons why people homeschooled uh, in the past. There's reasons why people uh, uh, started new churches. Say that, <laughs> but there's also reasons why you go back to the old uh, tried and true and ask them a few questions, you know, and uh, learn from them. So, hope I didn't confuse anybody there. <clears throat> All right, have your heart turned toward home. Make home your highest priority. Give time and attention and focus. To make your home a pleasant place to be. I'd like to encourage you in that and uh, recognize, you know, consider. Consider consider what might be taking your heart away from home. Um, what kind of interests, what kind of pursuits. You know, actually, uh, the same thing that can happen to men can happen to ladies where they can actually find more fulfillment in something outside of the home, even a ministry, even, you know, finding uh, struggling, other struggling ladies or whatever and ministering to them. You can find those opportunities and they can become more fulfilling, more challenging, more demanding, you know, whatever you enjoy and you can pursue them at the expense of those little ones that God put in your care if we're not careful. It's a matter of priority and understanding what God has, uh, where our priorities are, need to be. And uh, being a keeper at home, keeper of the home, and giving our time and attention to that first and foremost. And, uh, hey, the day will come when your children rise up and call you blessed and are old enough to take care of themselves and your work is done and you go find others to minister to. So God give you wisdom in those things. Just uh, a reminder. Remember what God has uh, given you as your first calling. All right. Next point I'd like to consider for a few minutes is your relationship as a couple. As you think about the tale of your home. Ephesians 5, I talked to you kind of independently. Plays together here a bit probably. Ephesians 5, verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. You know, when it comes to your home and your home atmosphere and uh, the effectiveness of your uh, home, your relationship as a couple is on the top of the list. And, uh, you know, your children need to know that, uh, that their mother is the greatest person in your life. Don't be ashamed about it. They need to know that. Your children need to know that their father is the greatest person in your life. They need to know that. They need to be assured of that. Not just said, but seen. Lived out. 
in everyday life. The kind of respect, the kind of uh, honor, uh, kindness that is expressed back and forth. The relationship and its, its peacefulness, uh, having a living in a peaceable manner with each other. Uh, your children need that. It's a tremendous, uh, tremendous security in their experience. <clears throat> and respect each other in your roles and responsibilities. Um, you know, you're the provider, you're the leader, you're the, you're the uh, overseer of your home. You know, she's the one that makes it happen. Isn't that right? You're the visionary. You're the, you got the ideas and she's the one that makes it happen. Uh, remember that. She's the one who, who makes you look great. Did you know that? So, bless her. Thank her. Treat her well for it. <clears throat> she covers all your mistakes. Makes you look good even when you failed. So, bless her for it. And ladies, keep doing that. Keep respecting them. Keep loving them. Even though they don't always do it all right. Keep encouraging them. You know, I think that's what the scripture means when it says, Love covers a multitude of sin. You know, in a home context... If you take each other's failures and exploit them, you know, blow them up, focus on them, make them contentions, versus just loving each other and, and you know, uh, yeah, covering each other's mistakes, you know, uh, not making no deal of it, just loving him anyhow. He didn't lead out quite right or he didn't uh, handle this situation quite right, whatever. You know, love covers a multitude of sins in that way. It, it, uh, it, uh, uh, your, your, your home atmosphere continues to be peaceful because you chose rather than to make a deal of something that didn't work out quite, quite right. You just, you just simply love them, bless them, encourage them, whatever, and, and uh, you go on with life. Uh, covers a multitude of issues <clears throat> in the whole context of your home. <clears throat> So, encourage you in that as a couple, and uh, we'll wrap this up here shortly. Like to just consider yet some concluding thoughts. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 tells us that, uh, and it's familiar, very familiar scriptures. Verse 2 we'll focus on mostly, but I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> like to... Uh, as we look at that scripture and we recognize there's several different things that can take place. One of them is we can be conformed to this world or we can be transformed. 
uh, we can be made a new creature. Uh, we can be made a different person. In other words, uh, uh, we can, you know, the world, my, my mother, and I, I know I've used this illustration in the past, I think. I uh, hope you don't get weary of it. But my mother used to have a little wooden box that uh, was a butter press. And uh, it had a nice little design in the bottom. And then you would push that, push butter into that thing and you would press it in nice and full. Turn it upside down and, and uh, shake it out. And that butter would come out of there, lay on the tabletop. And it had a little nice design in the top, just like what was in that mold. And, you know, that is the picture of what the world tries to do to us as believers. It tries to press us into its mold. It tries to get us thinking the way they think. It tries to get us to value what they value. It tries to get us to uh, embrace what they embrace. That's the, that's the world and its pressures and it's that, uh, that we face. And, wow. They've got a lot of avenues through which to work, don't they? But that is the goal. The world has nothing in mind but to make you like them. In all aspects of your life. But God tells us to not allow that to happen. Don't allow the world to push you into its mold and to make you just like them. But rather, be renewed in your mind. Uh... As this scripture says, be transformed, be changed, be, uh, I guess we would say, be made like Christ by the renewing of your mind, by, by uh, uh, allowing, I, I, I think if we're going to have our minds renewed, it's probably going to be by the word of God, by, uh, by encouraging uh, uh, Spiritual discussions, or yeah, discussing uh, truths with each other, and all you know, all sorts of interactions that we have as God's people, we can be renewed in our minds, and that's the that's the instruction that God gives us to be uh, to be changed by a renewing of our minds, to think differently than the world thinks, and to think uh, to, to have our minds, our perceptions, our concepts, our values. To have them shaped, not by the world, but by God, by His Word, by His people. And uh, allow those things to take place in our lives. You know, the uh, it really doesn't take a whole lot of effort to be pressed into the mold of the world, does it? We don't have to put forth effort for that to happen. It just happens if we'll allow it, because we're living in a world. And we know that's, you know, God intended it to be that way. Jesus in his prayer prayed that we wouldn't be taken out of the world, but that we would be kept from the evil. Same idea, that we would be kept from being pressed into its mold, into its way of thinking, into its concepts, into its ideas. And so, uh, the uh, to be transformed, to be changed, uh, it takes a bit of focus, doesn't it? We have to focus intentionally on uh, what is shaping our thinking, what is influencing us, what is having a yeah a a uh, a solid impression on us. We have to uh, be intentional about it. So I'd like to give us that encouragement just with this uh, in light of this uh, subject of our home 
and uh, and being what God intended us to be as a father, as a mother, as uh, uh, even as children growing up in the home, to allow God to make us, to shape us, to transform us, to transform our thinking, our concepts, our values, to transform them into His values rather than the values of this world and its uh, driving motivations and forces. So think about it. It'll, uh, it'll make a difference, I believe, in the, uh, the tale that is told by your home. I do want to encourage us with that. You know, one of the things that when uh, speaking on this subject, there's always that, that uh, you know, we want to be able to exhort us to God's best. But when doing that, there's always that thing of, of uh, you know, the, the, even the, I'm going to say the, the concern of, of, uh, of discouraging someone who's struggling in their home or... Uh, uh, yeah, there's always that, I feel like it's kind of a fine line to walk, to encourage God's people to their best while not discouraging someone who's struggling. And so, I give that again today, not as a, um, in any way to discourage someone who, who uh, for whatever reason, is, I'm going to say, struggling or dissatisfied with the end result but rather to, even as young people, to already be uh, uh, allowing our hearts to be challenged and uh, allowing our hearts to be uh, shaped into God's uh, uh, way of, of uh, perceiving and understanding uh, life and its uh, important subjects so that uh, as life moves on and we're the ones in the... Uh, filling the uh, role of parents that uh, we have some preparation. We're prepared to uh, give it our best. If we can, let's kneel together for prayer. Father, thank you this morning again for these dear people gathered here in Jesus' name, and today we come from our various uh, homes, whether we're here as a parent or we're here as a child. Look upon us today with mercy, Father, and meet our needs. God, we, we know that in all aspects of home life there are challenges, and there are times we may even feel overwhelmed as parents and may even feel like a failure. But we are asking today, Father, that by your Spirit you would uh, encourage our hearts and minister to us and uh, give, us, uh, give us tools, uh, tools of the Spirit that can work in our own hearts and work in uh, the atmosphere and uh, hearts and lives of our children. Father, I pray a blessing on each parent here. And each aspiring parent, Lord, be with us and uh, just uh, help us to discern, to understand, 
what is really important in life, to pursue that which is important, to give ourselves to you, Father, and your uh, purposes. And Lord, just uh, meet our needs, Father, in, uh, in our home fronts, Lord, in each varied need. Father, bless us. Continue to uh, keep us encouraged in our responsibilities. We also want to thank you, Father, today that we have freedom in this country to worship you, to gather and worship, and ask a blessing on those who are in governments that they would continue to grant us that freedom. And Lord, would we not uh, be careless about it, but be grateful, be thankful, and uh, walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have called us. So, Father, again, we thank you. Thank you for... uh, being a father to us and instructing us. We just want to bless you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.